0: If we don't stand up for our boys, no one else will. That's what a boy mom recently told us. Find out why you must be your son's strongest advocate in this episode of On Boys. Stay tuned after this message from our sponsors.
1: Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. Welcome to On Boys Parenting Podcast, the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net and Janet Allison, founder of BoysAlive.com.
0: If you want to give your boys' bodies the best possible chance of fighting off germs, consider supporting his immune system with high Health Chewable Vitamins. You know, boys don't always eat so healthy. Their diet is not so balanced. So tilt the odds in their favor with Haya Health. Use our discount code on boys to get 50% off your first order. Go to hayahealth.com and use that discount code. And now
1: on boys. If we don't stand up for our boys, no one else will. That's what today's guest told me a few weeks ago when I interviewed her for my next book. Like me, Gemma Gaudette is a boy mom and Gemma, the host of Idaho Matters on Boise State Public Radio. She has two sons, ages 13 and nine. And like me, and I'm guessing a lot of you, she didn't really understand the challenges that boys face in the world until she had sons. Now, She believes that moms of boys need to advocate on their behalf.
2: Welcome, Gemma. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be talking to the two of you. Little bit of background for our listeners. We have all connected
1: separately, but not all three of us together in the past. Gemma was part of the documentary that I was in a couple of years ago about raising boys, and we connected about that. And then, uh, Janet, you were on Gemma's show.
0: Mm -hmm. small world I love how this circles back together and of course we'll put all those links in the show notes
2: and I have to tell the two of you I I'm not kidding you when I found your podcast it was a godsend and and one of the most profound things happened when you had the ADHD dude on
0: ah Ryan Wexelblatt we love him
2: so we were at the time, my youngest had been diagnosed with ADHD and we were going through the process and we were quite hesitant to put him on medication. Sure. That's a big decision. Yes. Never forget when Ryan was on and he made a comment that was basically saying, you know, why not? If, if you're at this point, it's it's better for them. And it was, I mean, he, he said it much better than I did, but it was so profound mm-hmm. that And it also gave me permission, I think, to say like, you know what? This is okay to try. Yeah, Yeah. Life has been exponentially better.
1: Oh, good. We will definitely share that with Ryan. Yeah. And I love, that's why we do this podcast, because like you, and like so many of our listeners, I didn't realize that these things that I was dealing with in my own home, with my boys, in my family so many other people were also dealing with like when did you in your parenting journey when did you first realize that boys need help there are some issues here
2: oh wow Uh, (laughs) um you know i started noticing a difference really when they kind of became more school age and not Mm -hmm. really preschool because i i never really noticed real differences in how the kids were were treated or seen gender kind of doesn't seem to to manifest, at least in my experience. Once they got, I would say for me, like first grade-ish maybe with, with both my kids. And all of a sudden what I noticed was if my boy, if my, my oldest at the time was not being aggressive, but just, you, you know, you, you've raised boys, Jen. I mean, they're physical. They Mm -hmm. just, Physical. So they're physical on the playground. They're rough. Right. And they were being called out for being like this. And, and I was like, why is he being getting in trouble? I mean, my one son missed a week of recess in the first grade. No. I mean, are you kidding? And for playing tag too rough. And, but yet the girls who were involved did not miss recess. And that's when I was like whoa 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 whoa, wait a minute what's going on here And then I saw a kind of a similar pattern with my with my youngest. and as I mentioned, my youngest has ADHD, not diagnosed until he was in second grade had a really rough first grade year did have some behavior issues I mean would be impulsive would would talk out but he was starting to be to really be labeled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As yeah. a bad kid, as disruptive. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, he's not. I mean, and, and there was this moment where I just was like, like enough, enough. Because these boys are being put into these boxes of how they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to behave. Yet I, I noticed that girls were allowed more fluidity. hmm Mm-hmm. and which is wonderful which is great I mean which is I'm a girl like, <laughs> like, like it's, it's amazing and, I, and I'm so happy for girls that they're allowed this this fluidity to be rough and tumble to be sweet to be all of these things and I think we're still struggling with
0: that with our boys yeah and I mean you are singing my tune here Gemma I was a teacher I, and that's why I do the work I do today, because of what I saw in education around boys. And, you know, I will admit, I didn't know that much about boys when I had this first class of boys back in 1995. Well, first of all, our boys totally, you know, what's going on. Your son in first grade totally knew that the girls didn't get in trouble the way he got in trouble. And so that sets up this interaction that's already a little bit defensive or a little bit like, why wouldn't you be angry if you were seven years old and the girls are not getting in trouble for what you got in trouble for? So that whole piece we need to think about. But the other piece of it is the teachers are female. The teachers don't get boys, many of them. And most elementary school teachers,
2: are female female. in these formative years. I mean, I feel very, very lucky that in middle school now with my oldest, three to six teachers are male. Nice. Mm.
0: And it It usually is is middle school.
2: It usually is middle school when you see this. Mm -hmm. My, my, My younger son, because of COVID last year, they did bring more teacher aides in to the classrooms because they had to split the classes.
1: Yeah.
2: Did have a male teacher's aide, which was helpful. But I mean... It, it, what what I noticed too, is that, you know, getting back to your point, Janet, about boys knowing, I can't tell you how many times my boys would come home and, and say, you know, we got in trouble and in it was always like music class, but you know, the girls didn't, they did the exact same thing. They did the exact same thing and they just know it. I mean, they just know it's a, it, I mean, it's to the point where I don't even know if my oldest is mad about it. It's just kind of like, well, this is the way of the world. And
1: it laughed when you said, "Um, it's always music <laughs> class because we have had numerous conversations about all the times my youngest son got in trouble in guess what? music class <laughs> and it was it was the same story. and that's just there are three people in this conversation. Two of us are parenting boys. We both had that experience
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, for me, and I think you know, my, my mom was a teacher. So she, she was a, uh, she was a first, first grade teacher for 14 years. And, you know, she used to always just say too like, you know, don't like boys mature, you, you know, at a slower rate than girls, but they all catch up eventually. Don't worry, you know, and this whole thing. And I think that's, I do think that's true, but I, I think it, it impacts even how teachers, look at boys and girls and how they're supposed to behave. Because I do think that there is implicit bias with, mm-hmm. with teachers. Girls behave a certain way, boys behave a certain way. What's appropriate behavior and what's not. And the example that I always give is when I, I still, to this day, I see little girls on the playground chasing boys. In particular, this happens with my youngest, um, especially like, you know, kindergarten through second grade. And and I'd always be and I'm like, and I would be like, well, don't chase them back. You know, he's like, oh, pff, mom, please. He goes, I outrun him. Once in a while, I stop just to let him catch me. You guys, Gemma's youngest son uh,
1: recently started a YouTube channel. And we will share a link in the YouTube notes, because when you see how much personality this kid has, you're going to know why all the girls are chasing him <laughs> and why Gemma's you know, his response. Eh, yeah. Sometimes I stop and let them catch me. This kid is personality plus.
2: And, and I have to tell you, you know, some people are like, how did you, why did you allow him to start a YouTube channel? And it was more like in the middle of COVID, I couldn't put him in acting classes. I couldn't do anything. And he needed a creative outlet. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they took all of the, and they took all what we call specials at my kid's school. Like all the electives were gone. Right. So there mm-hmm. wasn't yes, last year, but so it was like, you know what? No. He needed this outlet. And yeah, I mean, watch his YouTube channel and you'll see. But but getting back to the to, to the idea of like, you know, girls chasing boys on the playground and everything. I was like, why aren't the girls getting in trouble for chasing the boys and catching them? Because I can guarantee you, at least at my children's school, if it was reversed and if the boys were chasing the girls and they tackled the girls, Those boys would be in the principal's office.
1: Not only that, they would be in the news. Likely become a national conversation. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes.
1: We are all, all of us, not just us as women in this conversation or boy moms. Collectively, the world, and especially here in the United States, we're grappling with, you know, Me Too and decades worth of gender imbalance and some pretty egregious abuses of power. and. Rightfully so. You know, we're making sense of all of that. And so many of us, especially those of us who are raising boys, like we are hypersensitive to that. None of us want to raise Harvey Weinstein. None of us want to raise a Bill Cosby. We don't want that. And everybody's kind of alert for that. But it sort of does feel like this narrative that's gotten into people's mind is that like boys are potential predators.
2: Oh, Hmm. Yes. And we
1: haven't looked at that other side yet. Like you said, it's really no more okay for a girl to chase a boy and tackle him than it should be for a boy. And especially let's be real, we're talking about second graders here. We're not we're not even talking about sex. We're just talking about play at this point, but all of us adults layer our stuff onto it.
2: 100% and i think that that was for me when i kept seeing these little things over and over again because i don't necessarily think they're always totally in your face
0: oh subtle
2: yeah very very subtle and all of a sudden i realized it was like wait a minute we we have this idea in our culture that boys are predators like once they hit about 6 7 years old all of a sudden Anything that a boy does is viewed as, you know, aggression, but almost like sexual aggression in a way. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And, 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 and I was like, this isn't okay. And, and, and we as moms, because I don't, we have to stand up. I don't, dads can't. I mean, let's be honest, right? Because Jen, just the things that you said about the Me Too movement and all of those things. Men can't stand up and say, my boy's being treated poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would go over well. We believe that, that moms are need to stand up and be the voices of that. And I remember even when, you know, with my youngest, when we were going back and forth about whether we should put him on medication or not. And we had this big meeting at the school. And it was really at that point, not not about him being on medicine, but it was about just behavior and how we're working together. So it was the principal, the teacher. The, the our therapist with him, the school counselor, you know, and my husband and myself, there was this moment where there, there was such pushback from one of the individuals that I finally looked at them and I said, I am not going to medicate my child to make your job easier. I'm just not. Like this is to figure out what's best for my child. Mm-hmm. If we get to that point, we get to that point. And we did. And I'm glad that we did. It's been the best thing for our child. But in that conversation, there was so much about his behavior and about, you you know, his aggression and the words that were used about him. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. is
1: interesting because that observation that after a certain point, boys kind of go from being cute to being, they could hurt us a potential predator. And we know, you know, statistically this is even more true for boys of color, for black boys, for brown boys. And you hear it all the time in the language, aggression versus energy. That's a huge difference. And that is where the bias slips in because it, our words influence our thoughts and vice versa. And all of that affects how we treat these vulnerable human beings in front of us. We're still talking about a
2: nine-year-old child. hmm well, and I even see it in, in middle school. I mean, yeah. if my oldest, and I'll tell you what, my, my oldest is clueless to a lot of things when it comes to boys and girls, you know, right. I mean, he is just not at that point where he, he's never had a crush on a girl. He's, he's just not, he's not there. That's not the case for the majority of the girls.
0: hmm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Yeah. And, and so here, and my, my, my oldest, he just turned 13 in May. He's eight. He's taller than I am. The kid wears a size 13 shoe. He's, he's a big kid. Uh, he's a gentle giant, but he he's a big kid. So just out in the world, I mm. see how people look at him, but yet, you know, getting back to, to the girls and his, his age and his, his, his environment, a lot of the girls, they, they mature faster. And I think they mature faster on every level. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this is back to what you were saying in the beginning, back circling back to kindergarten and first grade. I'm and that boys are on a different developmental trajectory than girls. And along with that, we've pushed down academics and that expectation. So for that first grade boy, it's like the perfect storm because he is not ready to sit still, listen and learn. And yet that's the expectation from the female teacher, from the, the academic aspect of school. We're making our boys wrong, we're making them bad, because, oh, he can't do this thing, that we've put on him from the outside, these unrealistic expectations. And that different developmental trajectory follows right through to your son at 13, who's clueless about girls. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally
1: developmentally normal for a 13-year-old boy. But you've got a 13-year-old boy navigating totally developmentally normal 12 13 14 year old girls who are starting to be interested
2: in the boys and so then therefore we have had conversations about consent mm-hmm. our oldest child in particular he, he's so not there but but we're but we're having these conversations with him and it's and it's not just consent sexually I mean he's 13. we're not going onto that path but it's more like even consent about you know what? You, you don't get to go up to someone, you know, and just grab them if they don't want to. Right. And those are conversations we've had with our youngest as well. Mm-hmm. And even the other day I heard they were upstairs playing and all of a sudden I heard my youngest go, I
0: don't consent. Oh, <laughs> well done, mama. Job well done. It got through somehow. It, it did. It was actually kind of
2: funny, but I was like, okay, and he's using it in the right
0: context. All yes. right. Like
2: grabbing him and he didn't like it. He's, you know, but, but I think getting back to it, you know, talking to my 13 year old about consent and what that means even in a sexual manner, because girls do mature at a faster level. And because I think within our society that at this age, the boys are looked at as the aggressors, as predatory. They're, they're looked at as, as that they, that they can't control themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So,
2: so therefore your girl is in danger if she around, you know, a boy. And so we've had all of these conversations and it hit me the other day that I was like, so I'm sure that parents of girls are talking to their daughters about consent and what that means and what that looks like. But I wonder if they're talking to them about,
0: you also need to ask for consent. Hmm. Good point. This episode is sponsored by By Heart babies need
1: to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about ByHeart baby formula. ByHeart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And ByHeart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula H E A R T dot com slash podcast, and it is ten percent off your first order by com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer, and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet.
0: And I don't
2: have the answer to that, but I bet most of them are not taking it from that standpoint. Mm -hmm.
1: I would really love to hear from some of our listeners who have boy children and girl children, you know, how are you having those, those conversations? Because like you, I have all boys, so I'm not exactly sure how that is going in other households. I do know that anecdotally, I have heard from numerous parents of boys usually young teens who these boys are getting some pretty aggressive messages, uh, text messages, phone calls, Snapchats, pictures from girls. And it's not always the boys who are asking for this. There are girls who are sending provocative pictures unasked, which is that any better than boys sending dick pics? I don't
2: think so. No, I agree. And then when we look at and then when we look at our, our legal system, you know, you are if you if you are a voice, not just if you've sent a picture, but if you open a picture. If you have it on your phone, at least in the state of Idaho. That's a crime. Mm-hmm. Depending upon your age, you know, you might get yourself a record. Yeah. And we don't we don't talk about that either.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: This we don't talk about it. The thing that I've
1: been pulling together in my head over the last few months is realizing this whole conversation about gender. I, I grew up female. I've been well aware that gender has shaped my experiences in the world and limited my opportunities in some ways and held me back in some ways. Our conversations about gender now are more about gender fluidity and letting kids be who they are. I support all that 100% the part of the conversation that I feel like we're not having yet is that gender and gender expectations and stereotypes affect and hurt
2: boys also. I absolutely agree with you. And I think that in every aspect, we as a society, accept the fluidity of girls, more Mm -hmm. but I think this goes back to toxic masculinity in a way right and how men are supposed to be tough and strong and the strong silent type and and not express their emotions right Mm -hmm. so if there's a boy that that expresses his emotions there are people that find that offensive right because Mm -hmm. a boy is supposed to be and I'm like we're all human can we just start there yes Let's just start there. And so how would you, how would you ever assume that a boy wouldn't feel the same feelings as a girl? So wouldn't have the same emotions as a girl. And we have to do a better job of allowing boys to have as much
0: fluidity as girls. Dr. Michael Thompson, who wrote Raising Cain," which was a book Mm -hmm. and a movie, he said that in school, girl behavior is the gold standard and boys are treated like defective girls. And I think that's as true today as it was when he said it 15 years ago. And so we all need to be aware of that. And yet I want to bring it back to I love that you were in this meeting with, you know, the the special ed person and all all the people gathered around to support your son and that you were able to say that and able to call that out. It reminds me of my when my youngest was in kindergarten so this kindergarten teacher was at the end of her 30-year career and she was kind of a battle axe let's just say but it was obvious that she did not like boys to the point that on friday end of the week the girls got a special treat and not. no live it and i went to the principal and i said you know this is happening what are you going to do about it and he kind of just threw up his hands like there's nothing i can do about it well i did something about it and i took my kid out of the class and homeschooled her the rest of the year but the damage that was done for these boys and the girls to do this well and
2: and that's the thing too right like i mean as you said jen like i i'm a girl I know what it's like to have like not been able to play sports after a certain age when I was little because they only had like little league and boys played, right? Like I am a girl. Like I know the struggles. I have struggled. There have been opportunities that I have not been able to have because I am a woman. I have literally in my career as a television news anchor been told to, to not be so much, Right to tone it down a bit. I have such a big personality and I'm overshadowing my male co anchor. These were things that I was told over and over and over again. I am very aware of what it is like to be a woman and what it is like to be held back based on my gender. Mm -hmm. I support everything that has been done for girls that continues to be done for girls because. We may have equality, but we do not have equity, right? We will we will never be on the same level if we do not have equity and equality. So I am a champion for what still needs to happen for girls and for women. My question is, as we raise girls up, why are we allowing boys to fall? We need to also raise boys up while we continue to raise girls up. because. Much as we want to believe that the future is female, what kind of message does that send to our sons? Absolutely. So don't get me wrong in that everything that's happened for girls needed to happen and must continue to happen, especially when we look outside of the United States and we look at like Afghanistan, right? And what's happening there and other countries that have oppressed women much more so than we have in the United States. But we have to also, I think, take a step back And realize that we don't need to let boys fall to the side in order to continue raising girls up.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, how do we do this? Yeah. What can we do? I do think that boy moms in particular are well positioned to lead this conversation for all the reasons you said. You know, for one, we are just better positioned to say, look, gender stereotypes hurt. We get that. You know, if we advocate for our boys, it's not the same as another guy saying, well, you know, and then people go, well, you're just perpetuating the patriarchy and you want to preserve male power. So what can we boy moms and teachers and other caring women, what can we do to make this happen for our boys?
2: I think, first and foremost, we we have to acknowledge any type of um, implicit bias that we may have, first and foremost, right? I think educators need to ask themselves questions about their implicit bias, mm-hmm. and it's never going to be perfect, but I think that at least when you can name it, and look, we all have implicit bias. Yep. Whether it's about boys, or, we all have it. Mm-hmm. Some um, sense. So acknowledge your implicit bias, then ask yourself, okay, how can I how, how can I consciously work to improve that, in particular in a classroom, in particular in elementary school, when we're talking like primary school. And, and I think as moms, we have to be willing to use our voice to stand up for our boys and to point things out. And I know that's hard. Like, look, I, as big and boisterous as I am and all that, I don't like confrontation. Right. I'm comfortable with that. But I will stand up for my boys. And, and I will have those tough conversations because it's not just for my two boys. It's for all of the boys. And it's for the boys that come behind them. It's for the boys that are with them, that if we don't point this out as moms, then it's going to continue. And I think you're right, Jen, that dads can't do it because they're going to say like, well, you're, you know, you you are, you know, you are, you are extending the patriarchy. This is just, this is your fragile male ego having, yeah. you know, that's, that's what it is. Whereas as women, we can sit here and we, we can actually talk about our own experiences of what gender bias has done for us, how it's impacted us. Mm -hmm. I think that we are well positioned as women to, to say like, look, these types of things hurt me. And we're no, we're not putting the same stereotypes on boys, but we are stereotyping boys. Mm -hmm.
1: I liked the stories that both you and Janet shared too. You know, the conversation that you had in that meeting where you stood up for your son and you're like, Hey, wait, and Janet, you didn't even have a boy. You had a daughter she was going to get the special treat mm-hmm. but you took a stand and then what i like about these stories is that neither one of them really immediately changed anything for boys or in that classroom the teacher went on about her merry way and that practice continued and i know i have had meetings with my son's school where i have uh i was uh talking about you know maybe we shouldn't take away recess as a punishment for boys,
2: and I
1: did not make progress on that at that point in time, but the more of us who do step forward, who do make those comments, who contact our teachers, it it will build over time. Nothing you do is wasted, because Mm -hmm. even if that change doesn't happen then, it might be four, five, six, 10, 12, 15 other people later before it happens, but it's got to get started. We have to start now.
2: And I will say, I think one thing that moms can do in particular in primary school right away is ask the teachers if your boys can have a brain breaks, right? So they can get up and move around. And it's good for girls too. Yep. Things like can boys, is it okay if a boy stands up if he wants to like do his do his worksheet? He doesn't, I mean girls are It's easier for girls to sit and and to do the worksheet you know it, it's as simple as going in and just having a conversation with the teacher and if more moms go in together and have the conversation with the teacher maybe the teacher will be open to to allowing the boys to to stand up and kind of get the wiggles out mm-hmm. i know that might sound really simple and silly but it makes a tremendous difference. in then how boys feel even about school. You know, it occurs to
1: me that these conversations happening at the PTA level and at your PTA meetings. And when you talk to the other moms on the playground, there's so much power there. It's pretty much yes. the moms in the PTA. Some of them are also going to have boys. When you start having these conversations, again, you realize that it's not just your son who's affected. It's a lot of them. And guess what? the moms of the girls don't want the boys being disruptive in class either right. exactly
2: yeah exactly
0: as a teacher and also as a as doing professional development with teachers teachers don't know these things and so when and often i will have pta the pta president come to me and say hey come and do some professional development with the teachers and teachers are glad to know this information. They don't know what they don't know. And it makes teachers' lives easier also. It's like, oh, you know, oh, I wish I had thought of that. I didn't know. It's not taught on a university level. It does come through professional development, but I'll always ask teachers, you know, have you had any training in gender differences and how boys are in the classroom and how boy- how girls are? And there are very few hands that go up. So this is a lack of professional development for teachers. Mm -hmm. They don't know. And then lo and behold, the miracle is, oh my gosh, this sounds like my husband. Oh my gosh, this helps me at home too. So it is just this opening up of understanding of how another human being operates. And I think too, that we
2: can't, because of, I think, the, 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 the culture and climate that we are in right now with, with, with the Me Too movement and all of that, I think it's been hard for, for women to use their voices to advocate for their boys, because there will then automatically almost be a perception that you're against all of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, frankly, it's the exact opposite. It, it's like, because of what I have experienced as a woman. I see that if we don't talk about this, if we don't advocate for our boys, that we are going not necessarily from the sexual harassment angle for for boys, but just from the angle of we've labeled them. We talk about them being aggressive, we talk about them being predators. We hear that over and over again. These boys are labeled by the time they're in middle school,
1: they're not being allowed their full humanity.
2: Exactly. That's been the
1: issue for girls and women for so long. And that's where as women, as boy moms, I think that's where we can help provide context for our children and for those around us too, because our boys, even if they don't have the word bias or prejudice, they feel the weight of these expectations and it can be easy for them to then get a distorted sense because they feel that girls are getting special favors we as women who have lived a lot longer than they do can help them understand this frustration that you're feeling at being boxed in at these preconceived notions. This is what's going on with women. And we're working on that. And that's why this is happening for girls. And now we're going to work with you too.
2: A hundred percent. And and I will say this, and I, and I know I've, I've, got, I've gotten some side eyes from some, some girl moms, and I've said this before, but I, I don't tell my boys that girls are special and that they need special treatment and that you you need to open a door for a girl. You need to be chivalrous, all of these things. And I mean, some of the looks. And I said, because you need to treat everyone with kindness. You need to open the door for everyone because this is how you are a good human being. Mm -hmm. I also believe that if I teach my boys, that girls are quote special or they're fragile, right? It's perpetuating that myth that girls are less than, right? That they need my boy to come in and take care of them. I don't need a man to take care of me. I love my husband. (laughs) I love having a partner, but I want a partner. I don't need a savior. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And if we want equity and equality, I think we also have to really look at how we as as parents of girls who may say these things about, you know, you need a boy needs to do this for you, a boy needs to do that for you. And how we tell boys that you need to be a certain way with girls. How about we teach them that you you show up with kindness, with respect, with an open mind and an open heart. And if you somebody needs the darn door open, open the damn door open the damn door that's really what this is all about anyway open the damn door
1: for everybody let everybody be fully human show up as who they are without these preconceived notions and historical expectations
2: piled on top of them open the damn door open the damn door like just walk through it open the damn door allow that five-year-old to be who they
0: are (laughs)
1: Gemma, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: I can see uh, this whole conversation, all three of us have just been nodding our heads up and down, up and down. <laughs> I'd say we're all in agreement here. And I imagine our listeners are also nodding their heads up and down.
2: Well, I have to tell you, this has been such a thrill for me. Honestly, I I adore the two of you. I love the podcast. It has Impacted my life as a parent so profoundly. I just, my book Thrivers just came in the mail from last week's. Ah, guest. Michelle Borba. Yes, I mean honestly, you you two have made me realize that I am not in this alone.
1: She made us go silent, you guys, and you know how rare that is. To Thank all the boy mamas out there, let this wash over you. Feel your power know that you're not alone. We are all surrounding you. We are all working together and together we can lift up our boys and our girls and work towards open doors and gender equity for all.
0: We hope you found great inspiration in this conversation with Gemma. Hey, don't forget, Haya Health, those vitamins help your boys growing stronger every day and girls too. Haya Health, Dot com use the discount code on boys. Thanks again for listening. If you liked this podcast, share it with a teacher, share it with a friend. Together we can be a strong voice for our boys.